Welcome to another podcast from the Rotary End Community Service Radio Show, which is now in its 12th year. Our show is heard every Friday between 6 and 8pm on Community Radio Station 94.1 FM 3WBC and is also streamed live on the World Wide Web at www.3wbc.org.au. Here is a recorded interview, first played on the 28th of December 2018 by Ian Salick with Inspector Stephen Noy of Victoria Police and he is the local area commander, Eastern Region, Division 1, Burundara. This is 94.1 FM, 3WBC, the voice of the Inner East and you're listening to the Rotary and Community Service Radio Show. We're here right through until 8 o'clock tonight. This show, as its title describes, is certainly about Rotary. But uh, we also feature non-Rotary community service. And what better community service than that performed so loyally by our dedicated uh, Victorian police. Therefore, tonight, it's a great pleasure to especially welcome one of the senior police officers working in the areas covered by this radio station, Whitehorse and Burundara, And our guest this evening is Inspector Stephen Noy of Victoria Police, and he is the local area commander, Eastern Region, Division 1 in Burundara. Inspector Noy, a very warm welcome to the 94.1 FM 3WBC microphone. Thank you very much, Ian, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Inspector Noy, or Stephen, if I may call you that, first off, let's find out a little bit about your career in Victoria Police. How long have you been a member of the force and did you graduate through that uh, wonderful Victoria Police Academy at Glen Waverley? Uh, Yeah, Ian, look, I've I've been in for 36 years, so coming up to my 37th in February uh, of next year. uh, I did graduate through uh, the academy, which was a very different academy back in 1982 to the academy it is now. It's um, it's almost like a university campus out there now. It's, it's um, been some wonderful changes out there. Well, as I was talking to you a little earlier, I've been out there and seen some wonderful ceremonies to welcome new police and to induct new police. Uh, Stephen, what was your first posting? When I first graduated, uh, we did... Uh, um, or I, I went directly to Springvale Police Station, where I spent three months working in Springvale. Uh, after that, I then moved to Richmond, where I then spent the next five years working in Richmond at, at a very challenging time, where um, we had um, a lot of characters such as Chopper Reed and <laughs> Victor Pierce and Dennis Allen, and, um, and I regard that as probably the best apprenticeship I could have done in policing. A pretty time. tough one, I'd suggest. It was. Um, and I, it, it's really interesting since um, I've left and, and, you know, years down the track, a lot, of, um, uh, a lot of TV series, The Underbelly and different things that have come out ar- around um, the characters that were there at that time. And, um, and people say to me, you know, you got to live and work in a time that, that the station was legendary, that, uh, you know, we had... Um, such great camaraderie amongst the the police that were there at the time and and i think that hardship of of the people we were dealing with probably formed a, a really tight bond that brought you together absolutely because they were very much the enemy <coughs> yeah and uh, 
to some degree, obviously, I suppose there's still people that are bad in the community, but that was an era of pretty bad individuals, wasn't it? It was. It and was. Purana was formed, was it, especially to counteract that? Oh, that was many years later. Was it? So, right. we're, so we're talking, you know, almost 15 years later that Purana was, was formed. But they've, maybe even 20 years ago. They've weeded out a lot of that, haven't they? I mean, through those years at Richmond and onwards, that force weeded out a lot of what was wrong in Victoria, didn't they? I think we have, yes. And you obviously were at Richmond. What areas of policing were you involved with before ascending to your rank? Now, you started in, 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 in your first posting, but what, what have you done in terms of your progress through the force? Okay, so after leaving Richmond, I, I um, gained a position as a detective in at the crime squad. So I then worked at a number of the crime squads over the years, being um, the arson squad, uh, homicide, criminal proceeds, um, armed crime task force, um, armed crime task force, uh, drug squad, uh, and the criminal proceeds squad. Uh, oh, Melbourne, Melbourne City Criminal Investigation Branch. I worked there as a as a sergeant for a couple of years. Uh, then um, I moved uh, out to the academy as a senior sergeant, where I taught at the sergeant's course. Um, and uh, that was that was a, a really interesting change for a period of time. Uh, then uh, uh, went back to the crime squads again for multiple years, um, and uh, and then finally uh, moved into uh, my role as a, as an inspector. And when when did that happen? What what uh, year did you come here to Burundara? Okay, so I came here in August 2016, but, uh, but prior to coming here, I was the Community Engagement Inspector uh, for Eastern Region for four or five years, and, uh, and also the Crime Inspector for Eastern Region for a period of time. You had a very broad background in policing. You must have seen a heck of a lot. What are the major issues impacting this community uh, and safety in Burundara? I think... Burundara is an interesting area. Um, I'd, I'd like to actually start by saying Burundara is actually statistically one of the safest metropolitan suburbs. Very comforting to know. <laughs> uh, well, we, we, um, I often say this at public forums and uh, different uh, presentations that I give locally that while we're, we're constantly asking people to be aware of, of their surroundings and of crime, that um, in actual fact, uh, you, you're in one of the top two or three safest suburbs in, in Victoria. Where we find our, our greatest challenge comes out of uh, what we call volume crime. So that's particularly your vehicle crime. Uh, so theft of and from motor cars, um, theft of number plates, uh, the um, burglaries, uh, which are all the property related crimes. So that's the, that's the bulk of our crime. Um, while that's bad, it's not as bad as if it was person-related crime, which is your assaults, your robberies and your rapes, which is very, very low in this area. So if we had to be high in one area, I'd rather it was property crime. That's the crime. area to be, yeah. Yeah, um, and it's, um, so, so, you know, certainly around the, the property crime, there's some things that we're really asking people to consider. Um, 
I like to use a fishing analogy when I, I talk about property crime and that's if a fisherman goes to a watering hole or a, a, a particular fishing spot and constantly catches a big fish, he will always go back to that same watering hole until such time as those fish dry up and he gets no more big fish and only little ones. Then he'll look for somewhere else. We find that often um, residents in, in Burundara leave very valuable items in their cars, um, leave their cars unlocked, will leave large amounts of cash in the car. And if people actually are a lot more discerning about what they leave in their cars, removing valuable items from site, um, securing them. Basic stuff, isn't it, really? It really is, and it's a message that, that we've been trying to, to um, or the police have been giving for decades, I, I think, in within the community about, you know, uh, the old look, lock, leave, you know. That's right. look it makes, at what's, it's so simple. It's such a simple message. It is. What do you have to do to make people understand that something so basic has to be done when they leave a vehicle? I mean, you know, the number of phones, I suppose, that you have reported, I suppose that's something that's taken regularly, is it? Mobile phones? Uh, yeah, phones, um, iPads or, or tab, you know, the, the mobile computers, I suppose. Um, jewellery, the amount of jewellery that people leave in their cars. Um, they'll leave bags. Bags are a, um, you know, it, people will break into a car to grab a bag thinking that there may be something in it. Um, whether there is or not is another matter, but if you have a bag, put it in the boot, put it out of sight, as opposed to leaving it somewhere where it, it's tempting. That's right, on display, and please come and have a look at me. Yes. It's an yes. invitation, isn't it? Yes. Really? It's so yeah. stupid. Um, Stephen, when we were talking earlier, uh, we... Uh, mention something that you call tackers and hooning drivers on the boulevard. Now, perhaps you better tell us what a tacker is. Okay. The, I was fascinated to, to, to talk about that and to read that in the, some of the questions we discussed. Yeah, the, the, the tacker is a person or persons um, that, for whatever reason, uh, have an issue with the cycling community. Uh, it's not a... a um, a phenomenon that is is unique to the boulevard. We saw it in the Tour de France. We see it sometimes um, around the, the peninsula uh, where where there's a lot of cycling. Uh, and people are grabbing upholstery tacks and they will drop them on the road so that they cause punctures to um, cyclists, to their, their tyres, obviously. Um, it's an inconvenience. Um, there has been a number of instances where people have crashed as a result of, of a puncture at, at speed, uh, and uh, and so there, uh, you know, is potential for great injury uh, to anyone that is actually riding at you know up to 50 kilometres an hour, and and then all of a sudden of course, yeah, you're off the course. bike. That's and, right. And it yeah. could result in a fatality if if they um, happen to come off and, and slide in front of a car or, or something similar. So it's a, it's a serious safety issue, for starters. Um, secondly, uh, Vic Roads sweep the boulevard regularly for us, um, or for the community, I shouldn't say it's for us, it's for the broader community. Uh, and so far the bill for Vic Roads is up around $300,000. Just amazing. Uh, and then if you throw in police surveillance time, surveillance equipment, investigation time, um, we're, we're running you know, real, realistically, we're running Very costly. In, into the millions. Stephen, is it 
something that you can attend to by catching these people? Is there any CCTV around on the boulevard that you can get these uh, offenders? Well, we've got uh, a camera has gone in at various times. We've used um, covert cameras that we've we've placed, uh, and um, and we've been recently successful in a, a government grant uh, and a government infrastructure grant um, for a quarter of a million dollars um, to look at putting in uh, further CCTV and uh, and lighting, street lighting, uh, which will, um, I think, go a long way to making not only the area safer, but helping people to feel safer. In Have the there area. been prosecutions? Uh, no, they haven't. They They're haven't. difficult to catch, obviously, because I take it they do it in the darker hours. Yes. Uh, and they spread the tax out in the darker hours. They're probably covered up, are they, as you usually see in some of the crime series? That's a, that's that their modus operandi. Um, <clears throat> we, it, it's hard to know exactly what time of day the tax are dropped. Um, we rely heavily on the cycling community um, or some of the websites that they have because they they self identify for each other, oh, there's been a tack drop. Um, sometimes, you know, that can be in early in the morning that we see the reports coming in. Other times it might be in the afternoon. Um, so knowing exactly when someone is going to drop the tax is always difficult. Just evil, isn't it? I, and do you think some of them sit there and watch the results of what they have done? Is that the sort of joy that they get out of that, do you think? I don't know. I, and I seriously, I, I don't know. And, I, and I've said before, these people, in my my humble view, it's just moronic. Mm. It's a good word to describe it it. it. it it doesn't achieve anything. And you know, if this person's sole aim is to actually try and prevent cyclists using the boulevard, well, it's totally failed in in that. Well, it's pointless. There's going to be a lot more cyclists than miscreants. Ab- absolutely, it's and ridiculous. Um, and it's, um, but it's also, it's impacting on people walking their pets. Their pets get the tax in their paws. Um, you've got people or kids and everyone that, you know, just wear thongs that are using the park or, you know, probably inappropriate footwear, but then the tax get into the, can course, get into the footwear. Um, you've got people with mobility vehicles, the tax also impact on those tyres and, you know, that's... That's a whole different set of um, challenges then for somebody um, who has a disability that that is in a mobility. How, how do they how change do they a tyre? Yeah, how do and they, how do they right. cope? They can be yeah. marooned there. Yes. Uh, you'd encourage people, obviously, to report any weird doings around there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Stephen, I wanted to talk just briefly about uh, drugs in Burundara. What is the instance of drugs in Burundara? You said earlier on that Burundara was relatively safe, or comparatively safe to other jurisdictions. But what about drugs in Burundara? Is, has there been an increase in uh, drug taking that you're aware of in Burundara, or is, is that relatively relatively under control? Uh, drugs is a really interesting one, Ian, because uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of drug reporting is by police detection. So the more we target, potentially the more we find. Um, believe it or not, this morning, our detectives are out with some of our uniform people because they uh, found a, a hydroponic crop house overnight. Now we're seeing more hydroponic crop houses. Um, that's, 
that's becoming more prolific across Victoria generally. Um, and that goes back to my days in the drug squad as well, where um, I was actually in charge of um, um, looking at, at, at uh, the hydroponic cannabis and the proliferation of that um, and the impact that that has on our power grid and all sorts of things, the dangers associated with that. Um, I think the, the in terms of um, ice usage and that sort of thing, we did have some problems in some of our nightclubs um, through uh, the, the um, overdoses. Uh, we had a couple of deaths. We really targeted hard um, the various establishments that we believed were responsible for or, or creating the environment that was to conducive them, yeah. to dispense drugs. Uh, and, uh, and I think we've been pretty successful in targeting that. Can we ever um, totally eradicate drugs? Uh, I think if I had the answer to that, I'd probably uh, be touring the world and talking to every other police jurisdiction. You'd be enjoying life a little better. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Well, that's what, that leads me to the question that we talked about before we started this interview. What about the encouragement of people to come forward and report that through reward? Do you believe that that might help? It's a political question, I know, to mm. some degree. So, I'm, you know, I'm not expecting you to be too detailed on that answer. But do you find that that, uh, or do you believe that that may help a little in flushing people out if there was more uh, reward offered for reporting some of these dealers? I know that there has been. Um, I'm aware of a couple of cases. I think in the past uh, where people uh, have have informed in relation to to drugs. I suppose part of the, the concern that we have is that, um, or, or what we would like to see, is actually people that just come forward and provide that information. The problem you have is that a lot of people that are actually um, taking or that know about drug suppliers are actually users themselves. So they're informing on the very person that supplies them with the product that they want. Great difficulty, yeah. Uh, so so that's, that's one challenge. The second one is um, that families who have um, a member that is drug dependent Using, yeah. then are reporting on a member of their family and that may mean incarceration or, or whatever, but a lot of our information does come through familial ties where people are trying to help one of Radical. their family members or friends yes, yes. get off, get off the drugs, so, yeah. um, so they're more than happy to, to assist us in those times. Stephen, just moving down the scale a little bit to something that is not quite as um, uh, deep and horrible as drugs, what about graffiti in the area? It's a question that uh, a lot of people ask in the, in the community, ask in the community, is, are the penalties tough enough for that and are these people easily caught? with more CCTV cameras about? Is it something that, uh, that you find uh, is getting attended to more easily? We've had, uh, uh, with Burundara Council, we, we actually work very closely with them um, on a whole range of issues. And one of the things that the council has really focused on in the last couple of years is graffiti removal. Um, we know uh, from all the studies that have been conducted across the world that actually, um, high levels of graffiti actually reduce perceptions of safety in the community. 
So it's actually something that we try and target and, and remove pretty quickly. Uh, when, uh, when I first sat down with one of the councillors from Burundara who, who had a platform of graffiti removal, uh, she, um, you know, she basically, um, oh, I shouldn't say she wanted to hang people, but you know what I mean when I say that, you know, that, that, that it was her pet, yeah. yeah, her pet hate. And, and she, <laughs> she raised the question of um, uh, penalties and the rest, uh, feeling that they were, they were too light. There, I suppose the reality is if we're, we're um, penalties are just such a, a um, complex issue if you're talking about a couple of kids that are doing something that are generally pretty good kids, but but they, a bit of a skylark. Yes, um, make some bad choices, bad decisions, spray a bit of paint around, uh, and they just think it's a bit of fun. Are we going to send them to jail? Or you know, I'd love to see them them have to scrub it and clean it exactly, and, and then go around and scrub and clean all the uh, the um, uh, graffiti off a whole range of other places. Uh, for me, that's I think that's the most appropriate penalty that we can we can make these kids. So it's under control. Not not a lot of it looks that good either. But uh, I know Rotary has been involved in the past in in doing some cleanups of of graffiti in the area, and it's an area that Rotary may be able to look at again. Yeah, and and they are looking across the state. Um, Really broadly at this this issue of graffiti and graffiti cleanup, and so there's there's some really good um, systems in place at the moment, and you know we also keep databases on tags on on who who they are, and ah, so that's we, the, that's the ID that you yes. get. Yes, yeah. <laughs> they so. don't change their tags. I take it because wow. they're so proud of it. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Well, Stephen, uh, thank you very much for talking to us. So we're going to take a little break now, but. Uh, I'd like to come back shortly and cover some uh, very important issues of policing in Burundara and that involves youth and family violence. Welcome back. This is 94.1 FM 3WBC, the voice of the Inner East, and you're listening to the Rotary and Community Service Radio Show. We're here right through until 8 o'clock tonight and our guest this evening from Victoria Police is Inspector Stephen Noy, the local area commander, Eastern Region, Division 1 in Burundara. Stephen, um, I'd like to ask another question that uh, really interests most residents in Burundara. Youth behaviour in Burundara, is it a problem? And it is a problem, I take it, in the state generally, but youth behaviour, how would you rate it? Um, I don't know if I, I, I can rate or give it a rating as such. Youth, youth are always a challenge. I think for every generation is challenged by youth of the next generation and the behaviours and the changing values, I think probably amongst kids. Um, for us in Burundara, youth generally are pretty good. You know, we, we, uh, we don't suffer from some of the behavioural problems that we see across the state more broadly um, uh, from our kids that reside within the area. Um, you've got to bear in mind though that we have, uh, I think, more more um, schools in Burundara than uh, anywhere else in the Southern Hemisphere. So it's a huge concentration of youth 
coming into the area uh, on a daily basis for schooling. Um, then we have multiple universities which also bring more youth into the area. Uh, and, um, and so our real challenges are about understanding what are the issues most adversely impacting youth and how do we engage with them in a meaningful way to understand and build trust and um, um, engagement more broadly with, with the kids. Um, we also have a very large cohort across um, this division, so across Whitehorse and um, um, Monash and um, um, Manningham with um, DHHS youth in out-of-home care. Um, now these are kids that many of them have been the victim of um, various types of abuse, um, physical and sexual abuse themselves in growing up. Um, so they're, they're carrying a, a lot of baggage and, and burdens of life. Um, and, and, um, and I think um, we've got a, multiple programs in place with support services to actually address the needs of those kids at the moment. And generally, uh, you're not finding any, any outward signs of uh, youth violence or anything like that in the community. They're not fighting in the streets. They're not, it, there's, there's not a proliferation in Burundara of gangs. That's what I'm really getting Oh, from. certainly not. Um, I mean, we had, we had um, a, a patch uh, earlier this year uh, involving some street robberies around the Glen Ferry Road area, um, which were youth on youth, um, but that was uh, some particular, a particular group that we very quickly identified um, and, um, and took pretty swift action on that one and, and were able to then curb those behaviours, well, stop the behaviours, not curb it, stop it completely. Yep. Stephen, also homelessness, uh, I've noticed in the community, uh, because I do a lot of shopping in the Burundara area in Camberwell, there seems to be a lot more homeless people on the street. Is that because you believe that they're being pushed out of some of the city confines, the inner city confines, and they're coming out to the suburbs? Uh, you know, generally when you talk to people, they say, well, seeing people get off the train and some of these people uh, look as though they may not have somewhere to live and stay. And there seems to be more people sitting on the street begging in, in Camberwell. I mean, is this something that you've observed it's certainly something that's been raised with us a bit more through council. Uh, we've got the Burundara Community Safety Advisory Committee, which incorporates council, police, uh, and a range of, uh, of other service providers. And um, homelessness is something that we have been talking about within that group uh, more frequently of late, um, particularly in you know, some of the council buildings that, that people then choose to, um, I suppose, use them as, as a place of refuge, um, libraries, places such as libraries and the rest. So it is something that we're seeing a bit more of, and we do know that there's um, a huge homeless community down along the Yarra in um, the parklands down there. Uh, and again, through our, our partnerships with Parks Victoria, uh, we try and actually manage that a bit more and the, the concern is obviously with homelessness is that um, um, they're often actually victims of crime themselves more so than perpetrators uh, but if people are dirty and a bit smelly then again that creates 
concern by members of the community and there's an expectation that, that police or authorities will do something about that. Another area that is rife throughout the community and, and certainly something that Rotary has been very much involved in helping to prevent where it can is family violence. Mm. The incidence of family violence in Burundara, are you aware that it is an area uh, which has more of that occurring? Uh, are, you, are you involved in that a, a lot more as a, a policing precinct yep. currently? Yeah, I, I actually I spoke at the White Ribbon Day uh, this year and we talked about obviously this issue. There's a couple of things with Burundara. Our, um, our rates of family violence reporting are actually quite low comparatively or in comparison to a number of other areas. Now that could be seen as being either very good or very bad. Um, depending on how you look at it. Um, the first, first point I'd like to make is, uh, as I said on White Ribbon Day, um, I don't actually like to, to sort of categorise violence as family violence. It's assaults, it's murders, it is crime, and that's what people need to really focus on. These are people perpetrating crimes against other people. Um, it just happens to be in the domestic setting. Right. It's too soft an epithet to give it the name family violence. Yes, yes. Um, the, the concerns that we have are that we don't believe, um, probably due to the nature of the demographic of Burundara, both with a uh, large Chinese community and with a, um, a community that's, that's a more affluent community, that... Um, the victims of family violence, we believe that they're probably more reluctant to come forward because of the stigma that's associated within that community group, being particularly the Chinese community group, um, and and um, you know a historical um, reluctance to go to authority, uh, to the authorities to report something against a member of your own. Uh, As you family. were saying about the drug yes, issue, yes, same same criteria. Um, and then, and then the other side is, is uh, you know, if you're the, you know, the wife of a CEO, and um, um, you've probably, you know, potentially been um, um, the victim of, of mental abuse as well as potentially physical abuse. Um, so your own self worth is now devalued. Um, and um, you're used to a certain lifestyle and you think, am I going to actually lose everything, my children and everything, because I know he is a powerful man and I'm worthless, I'm, you know, that, and this is what we see in the family yes, violence yeah. settings. They're so, captive, aren't they, to, yes. the, to the income that he's generating, as well as the violence that he's committing. And, and the fact that, you know, when people are at those CEO levels, we're talking about highly intelligent people that actually know how to manipulate other people you know that's that's part of i suppose mm. being you know in powerful positions within society that that you're very good at, at negotiating or influencing things to be in the position you'd like them to be very intuitive way to look at it Stephen. Mm. very much so very much so um i i am just uh, flabbergasted with the rates that are supposedly around for family violence have you heard those rates? One in five? Is that the sort of rate that yes, you've heard? Yes, yeah. Which is astounding, isn't it? Oh, and, and it's, uh, you know, the, the, the number of murders over Australia 
weekly. Mm. Uh, you know, it's it's a um, it's a really serious problem. Stephen, uh, notwithstanding emergencies uh, in the community, when you dial triple O, when do the public contact your Eastern Region Command uh, versus their local police station, for instance, the Camberwell Police Station? What's the sort of uh, contact, main contact point for the reporting of a burglary or a car theft, etc. Yeah, look, for, for anything that is what we would call cold. So, you know, a hot crime as opposed to a cold crime. So you come home, um, you find that your car's been broken or you get up in the morning, your car's been broken into or um, you come home at the end of the day and you find your house has been broken into um, it's not like you've just disturbed somebody, then we would say then just call your local police station or if you've just got a question that you want to ask in relation to um, you know, any point of law or, or you know, neighbour disputes, those sorts of things where you're just wanting some advice, ring the local police stations. If it's something that um, is a crime that has either just happened or is happening now, we actually want people to call triple zero and report immediately because that will then get the closest police car to you, the closest police to you. Uh, if you call the police station with that, then what we do is then ring D24 or ring the triple O number effectively and have them dispatch. So it's just wasting time. Right. So, right. I mean, in, in real emergencies, uh, our, all our watch house keepers um, at the stations can just jump on the radio and put a call straight over the air but then they need to phone through further information on that anyway, so, yeah. But that's the quickest response that you've yep. yes, right. Yep. The question that we hadn't put down on our list of questions is, how can Rotary help you? What would you like? We have a lot of Rotarians and non-Rotarians for that matter, listening to our show. How can Rotary help you to do your job uh, better? There's, there's so many ways that people within the community can help, but. Um, Rotary uh, has has actually a very long and, and um, fruitful history with police, um, not just in this area, but but across the state or across the world, probably. Uh, and um, certainly, some of the the financial um, support that we have in terms of printing costs for. Um, various pamphlets and brochures and things that, that we try and put out, um, um, signage, all those sorts of things around crime prevention, community safety, um, programs involving youth, uh, programs involving victims of crime. Um, these are various areas that, that I think Rotary, um, you know, I always see the, the Rotary barbecue bus at a lot of the public forums <laughs> and different things. and. And the Rotarians are, are, are there, you know, preparing and helping to prepare meals for um, people that have come to our community safety forums and those sorts of things. And that's just such a, a wonderful community service um, that um, that um, we really enjoy. Well, that's I'm so pleased you're saying that. You know, our overriding motto is service above self, very much like what you do. I know it's not the motto of the Victorian Police Force, but the service that you provide is uh, wonderful to the community. And uh, Stephen, I want to thank you, Stephen Noy, Inspector Stephen Noy, yeah. I don't better be correct here. Thank you so much for talking to us about your work. 
and the initiatives that you're taking as the local area commander here in Burundara. Uh, we know this holiday season uh, is always a busy time for Vic Police um, and uh, I do hope however that you have a very quiet New Year's Eve uh, and some of you get a, a chance to relax. I do hope that the public behaves uh, reasonably well uh, and responsibly at the venues that you need to cover during your your working holiday and uh, uh, whilst the, the public are out there that they drive the cars responsibly and without uh, being fuelled up by a lot of alcohol which is a, an overriding problem I know. The work that you do to protect life and the community generally uh, deserves the highest praise and I know the community would say to me to say to you thank you so much uh, Inspector Stephen Noy for what you do and for what the Victorian police do overall. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you, Ian. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This podcast was produced and presented by Ian Salick of Rotary District 9800 in Victoria, Australia. More podcasts can be found on iTunes by typing into your browser Rotary Radio, Doing Good in Victoria, or alternatively by going to the Rotary District 9800 website at www.rotarydistrict9800.org.au and clicking on Rotary Radio.